This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. at legacy. We talked about church legacy, a father's legacy, a legacy of a godly uh, wife. And today we're going to look at uh, a, a house legacy or uh, a legacy that passes on to your children. And so uh, I think that's fitting that we have the scouts here because we have people that are passing on legacy. They're bringing up uh, young men to know right and wrong. Uh, to love country and to love God, and just uh, it, it really goes along with scriptures when you uh, relook at it. But the theme for our year is what? Y'all failed the test. Never mind. Everybody say moving forward. And how many know you don't move forward unless you're intentional, and there has to be purpose in it to move forward. You do not get closer to God by accident. You do not have a great marriage by accident. And you don't have a good legacy, a spiritual legacy by accident. It has to be on purpose, intentional. And uh, to move forward with our lives in, in scriptures, in Job chapter 17 verse 9, it says the righteous keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. So we want to keep moving forward. That means you've got to have some good decisions. You've got to make some goals. You've got to be on purpose about some things. You do not get in shape by accident. You can watch everyone working out on TV and YouTube all you want. You can, after it's over, you can get your towel and, and wipe off your brow. So what a workout. That was great. Then go eat your potato chips, and you'll find that you're not moving forward. Amen? It's funny, um, Rob and I got to go spend some time with Dr. Leon, went to Rantoul, Illinois, where uh, Robin and Sean were youth pastors, and uh, uh, the food there was outstanding. I will say that Rob did excellent. I, I got a C-. minus. Um, but Dr. Leon, he said that I leave you a bigger man than when I came. <laughs> and I realized the discipline and the difficulty of traveling and ministering when food is all around you. Amen? All right. Moving forward. So we're talking about legacy. Legacy means uh, money or property bequeathed to another by will or something handed down from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. So uh, something that we pass down to our children, and, and really I don't want you to just think of children, because if you think of, um, or let me say it, biological children, because how many know that Jesus didn't have any biological children? How many know that Jesus left a great legacy? So you can be uh, single and, and leave a legacy. You can be married and leave a legacy. Everyone's going to leave one, good, bad, uh, indifferent. Um, but we have a choice to make in that. The Bible says in the house of the Lord there's vessels on the honor and vessels on the dishonor. It said you choose 
which one you want to be. And when you make that choice, when you set your will, the grace of God comes, God's power, his ability to help you carry out the decision that you made. He'll not force it on you, but he will back up your choice, your will, with his ability. Now, that's a good deal. That's a blessing that God has promised to give us. So at your funeral, what's going to be said? Are you going to be remembered for your being selfish or your generous spirit? Are you going to be remembered for being a loving person or a person who was unloving or neglectful or a person who was life-giving? That's, that's what we're looking at. That's what we're talking about. And we started kind of backwards because we talked about a legacy of a church. A legacy of a church is made up of men and women who are making a good legacy. And, and children are homes that are serving God. And so today we're going to uh, put a caboose on this. And actually, I, I told Ellen, I eased, you could easily get into another series with each of these. And this thing I had to just keep shaving down and shaving down. Just had too much. And so I thought I would just recommend a book that I really like. It says, God knows how to raise your kids even if you don't. Joe McGee is... Uh, one of the top uh, ministers, communicators as far as marriage and children. So you can get this book online and order it, but it is terrific. And it's just full of information and insights that um, him being the school principal and raising so many children that uh, it will impact your life. And I've referred to it many times through the years, but... And there's many books and many different ministries that are doing great, uh, great works and great information. But this is why I recommend. And so this is kind of smorgasbord today. I just, whatever just kind of came to me, I just kind of put down. And uh, we're going to look and see what the Lord uh, says through this. Amen? All right. Appreciate your enthusiasm. In 2 Timothy 1.5. It says, well, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. I got to thinking about those that uh, are, are single moms or those that didn't have a father uh, in their life. I want to encourage you. You make a difference. And when I talked about a father's legacy and the impact of a father, uh, I want you to know that moms and uh, grandparents can have tremendous impact. And here's an example in scriptures, Timothy. Timothy is being encouraged by Paul. Uh, Timothy's going through a time of there's persecution against the church, and he's standing not to have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. And, and here he is going through this difficult time, and Paul reminds Timothy of his mom's faith and his grandmother's faith. Did you know this father wasn't mentioned there? Now, many people don't know, but Timothy's dad was not a believer. Yet, the faith of the mom and grandma caused a guy to be tremendously used by God, Timothy, because they passed down something to him. And that was, that, of course, that heritage 
of faith. And you can find the rest of this in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Timothy was raised in a household where his father was not a believer. I don't even know if he was around. Yet, he was stirred. He was influenced. He saw by example the faith of his mom and grandma. Don't tell me you can't make a difference because dad's gone. Don't tell me you can't make a difference because you can. You have scriptural evidence. You can make a difference. Got Heather Shepherd here on the front row. How many will agree that she's done a good job with Pierce? Well, it's a testament to her faith. Oh, Pastor, I've done everything I know to do. Don't quit, don't give up. Don't stop because you are making an impact. It may not look like it, but you are because you have a guarantee, you have a promise that your faith is affecting those around you. And also when you're, when you're family, you have connection, you have insight and voice into their life. It may look like they're not even, you may not have a, a relationship or even able to contact your kids but let me tell you, you have a connection in the spirit. And you have their ear in the spirit realm. You have power because you're connected to them. And your prayers can change everything. There's power in prayer. So don't quit. Don't give up. Stay at it. And watch what God will do. Because I believe that God makes a difference. Amen? Amen. Uh, good stuff. Malachi chapter 2 verse 13 it says in this second thing you do you cover the Lord's altar with tears with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Let me just stop there. Let me tell you what's going on. Is um, Israel, the, the men are making decisions. They're for women of a foreign God is what the scriptures say. And when you dev down and, and you look and, and, and study it, the Hebrew, they were actually looking for a newer model. Now, we don't have that in this day or time. And so what they were doing, they were leaving the wife of their youth or the one they had made covenant with, and then they're weeping before the altars and say, God, why isn't, why isn't this working anymore? Why am I going through this? And the Lord re responds, let me just continue there, verse 15 did he not make them one, say covenant, with a portion of the Spirit in their union? The Holy Spirit bore witness of that union. Anytime you get married, the Holy Spirit uh, comes and gets involved and bears witness and brings oneness 
into that covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Listen to this. What was the one God seeking godly offspring? Say godly offspring. See, that's the vision that God has for your children. That's the vision, and it's never changed. He wants godly offspring because he's a God of family. Have you ever read the genealogies? Raise your hand if you had. Yeah, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> Maybe you like me, you just get through them. Yeah. Can't pronounce half of them, you're just getting through them. But let me tell you, God did not put that there as a filler. What he's demonstrating and what he's showing, that he is a God of generations. He's a God of family. And his vision for your family, for your children, mom and dad, his vision for your children is that they would be godly offspring. It's not a vision that you'll just have babies, that you'll just have offspring, that you'll just cover the earth with kids, the population to go up. No, he wants godly offspring. That doesn't happen by accident. You have a part. You have a responsibility to bring that to pass. You have a responsibility to God to bring that to pass. So the obvious question would be, what are you doing about God's vision for your kids? What would they say about your life? How's your behavior around your kids? How's your language around your kids? Do they see you picking up a Bible and praying? Do you pray for your kids? Do you know that talk is cheap? <laughs> Show me what you're doing. What are you modeling before them? Because you are the YouTube video for your kids. You're the model of how to do it. When the storms of life come, which the Bible says they're coming to the righteous and unrighteous, what do you do? Do you go get a beer? Go have an affair? Run for the hills? Become a, a vegetable on the couch and just watch Rambo movies? Or do you just get depressed and try and find something to get your mind off? Or do you get on your knees and go to God? Do they see you pray? Do they see God answer prayer? Do they see the way you work through those situations? That is speaking to them. That is ministering to them like nothing else. Because they see it modeled before them. Parents, you have a responsibility to your children to raise them to serve God. In Psalm 78, verse 3, what, have, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. You need to tell your children the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. What the Lord has done. How the Lord saved you. What he has done for you. 
You need to speak of his wonders, of his blessings, of his miracles in your life and what he's done. Verse 5, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born, they in turn will tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and will not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. So we see that God's purpose in this plan is for us to teach and train, admonish, and speak to our kids about God. And let them see it modeled. Not that we're perfect, but let them see it modeled in us. Let them see us quick to forgive. Let them see us admit when we've done wrong. Let them see Jesus in us. And the scriptures are saying, then they'll not forget and they'll remember what they've seen you do. A husband and wife who walked by faith and they fulfilled this vision. This is Jonathan and Sarah Edwards in the 1700s, led what was called the Great Awakening uh, in America, a great move of God. And uh, it's interesting, and and this really, you know, it hits my heart because I I consider myself a man of prayer, but I pale in comparison because Jonathan Edwards every day, every morning prayed for five generations. Five generations. So, wow, that's amazing to me. You know, you pray for your, your children, your grandchildren, but he was praying for children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. I mean, he's praying for five generations. But it's interesting that sociologists tell us today that the impact of our life is for five generations. But what happened to him and, and his wife is pretty remarkable. Out 1,400 uh, descendants, listen to this, 100 lawyers, 100 were lawyers, and a dean of a law school, 80 hold, holders of public office, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school, 65 professors of colleges and universities, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities, three governors of states, three United States senators, one uh, controller of the United States Treasury, one vice president of the United States. How many would say that his prayers, and uh, Jonathan and Sarah, both their prayers accomplished much? There's much power when we pray for our kids, pray for our grandkids. And I believe you think about the ripple in the lake, you know, just the effect of our lives on other people and on our kids, and it's passed down. We've got to be about the next generation. We've got to be having godly offspring 
and training them and always pointing them towards Jesus. When you raise kids to serve God, you've increased your influence. You've increased your, um, your ministry to others through the generations. It's amazing to me, I was thinking about it, was Ellen and I were in uh, youth ministry, how many parents would leave their kids at church and not go to church? But you know, the problem is, if you're the model, you can't just leave your kids and then be teaching them you need to go to church. You cannot tell your kids to be honest when you're dishonest. You can't teach your kids to be responsible when you're not responsible. You can't teach your kids you shouldn't use the language of the world when you're using it. It doesn't have the effect. Because they see you two-faced and not real. You can't teach a child to be loving and you're not loving. And you're training your kids and that means you need to watch and see what kind of friends they have. It means that you need to know who they're hanging around because whoever they hang around, they're going to become like. Kids are very easily manipulated they're very easily um, influenced. That's the reason most kids before age 12 get saved. Because their heart's tender to receive. Whatever is being transmitted, if a child's there, they're going to receive it. So you as a parent are responsible for what's being transmitted to them what's being telecasted to the kids well pastor you don't understand that's their favorite show I know it, did, it has a lot of bad parts in it but you know it's basically good and uh, if I tell them they can't watch that the truth is you enjoy it yourself you know well pay me now or pay me later but as a parent, you're not always their best buddy. If you're your child's best buddy all the time, you're not doing your job. Something's wrong. All the parents said amen. No child should have unrestricted rights to privacy. Let me say that again. No child, since that went over so big in this place, wow. No child should have unrestricted rights to privacy. You need to know what's going on in their life. You need to have freedom to go into their room, whatever. I know the kids are loving this. A father told his daughter to be home by 11 o'clock. She was upset. I'm no longer a child, Dad. 
He said, exactly. That's the reason I want you home at 11 o'clock. You're the protector. You're the leader. Their brains are not even completely there till they're 21. There's some brain damage. It's not whole yet. (laughs) And God is looking to you, parents. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Enjoy long life on earth. Things go well for you. It's the first commandment with a promise. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is to train, who is to teach your children this truth? Parents. You teach your children to honor and to obey you. That's part of the training. We had our boys memorize the scripture. Because we want to go well for them and we want them to enjoy a long life. But parents, you have to teach them and train them. You teach them to be respectful. You teach them to have good manners. And the rest of us can tell if you're doing a good job or not. And we understand because it's a journey And we know it may look like, even though the training's there, it may not look like it is. We understand that. But we can tell if respect is given to us or given to another person, another adult, we can tell if they're honoring mom and dad. We can look and see what's happening. You teach them to honor. You teach them to honor authority. Be respectful. What happens? They'll honor others. They'll be respectful to others. They'll honor authority. That's what I love about the Boy Scouts. That's what they teach. It's scriptural. Well, society is not honoring authority. Let that not be said about your child. Let it be different. Train them. Well, I just know more than my parents. Well, let me tell you, your parents get wiser and wiser as time goes. When you're 14, your parents are stupid. <laughs> when you're 21, my parents are getting smarter. They're re-catching up with things here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then the interesting time is, is when your kids are teaching their kids what they didn't like to hear from you. And all the parents and grandparents say, Hallelujah. <laughs> How do you honor parents? Let me say this. 
Jesus is the only teenager that knew more than his parents. But you know what the word says? That he submitted and obeyed his parents. And he knew more than them. Because it's the right thing to do. The best reason to honor your mother and father is because God commands it. It's a commandment for tremendous great promise. It's a recipe for long life and blessing. Honoring your parents. You appreciate them. It's one way you do it. Realize what they do for you, the, the, the cost. You know, it, it takes time and effort and, and, and money and, and sacrifice to raise children. There's a little boy who wrote a bill to his mom. He said, I took the garbage out. You owe me $2. I fed the dog. You owe me $2. I cleaned my room. You owe me $2. So he has his list. At the end, it says, final bill, $10. Well, mom thought she would make a bill. Mom decided to give her son a bill. I have washed and ironed your clothes for 10 years. You owe me $10,000. I've been buying and preparing you meals for 10 years. You owe me $20,000. I've been your nurse and doctor when you've been sick. You owe me $10,000. And she has her list at the end that says, total bill, I love you. And that's a mom's heart. And I'm telling you, a mom could do the most difficult job I believe in the earth. They could be a great traffic controller. I mean, it'd be nothing that they'd be doing it. Go this way, I'll now take this flight. <laughs> because raising kids is, you have to have God's help. Amen? Affirm your parents. That means say thank you. They take you uh, to eat or to a ball game. Say, thanks, Dad, for taking me to a ball game. Thank you, Mom, for this great meal. And, and let me tell you, that appreciation, your parents are, are people too. They have feelings. And when you do that, after they recover from fainting, when they come to, they will appreciate it. They're going to appreciate that appreciation. <laughs> And things will go better for you. One way you honor is you never abandon them. They get older, they might need your help, but you honor them in their old age. I'm experiencing that of my parents. Um, this week, you know, they both have uh, doctor's appointments and, and things are going. And you have to juggle schedule and stuff. It's, uh, it's different. But you honor them. By being there and doing what you can for them. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she is old. So you bless them and you honor them. And you don't bless them because you agree with everything or maybe they're doing everything right. It's just like when you go to a court, you address the judge as your honor. It's a position that was given. You don't even know the judge, probably, but you honor them because it's the righteous thing to do. And you, you honor that position, and 
You honor them even in their weaknesses because no one's perfect. Because God gave them that, that position, that, that place in your life. Some only honor their parents at the funeral when it's too late. But no thank you at a funeral can never equal a thank you, a letter, a phone call, or a visit while they're still alive. I hear teenagers say, I wish my parents would stop repeating things to me. Well, if you would listen the first time. If you would just acknowledge that you heard would help. Instead of being over there for a blank, glazed look, we think you're on drugs. <laughs> We're ready to get your, you help. We don't trust you. Best reason to honor your parents, like I said, is because God commands it. But it impacts them, but it also impacts you. Parents need to act honorable. There were some kids, uh, some children screaming and shouting in their bedroom. The mother went to check on them. Why are you children screaming? Why are you yelling? We're not screaming, Mom. We're playing Mommy and Daddy. You don't think they pick up? Ask any youth minister. We heard things, they pick up. Well, I didn't know their ears were open, the antenna. Yeah, their antenna's open and they hear. One of the best ways to correct children is to correct the example that you're showing. Give your children roots to God's house, to God's word. Can't put a price tag on that. Give them wings to go after their dreams. Give them attention. One of the uh, things lacking, they said that kids don't get affection. Touch, it means to touch, to hug, to kiss. Kids need affection. They need affirmation. They need praise. They need to hear that we're proud of them and we're cheering them on, that we're for them and not against them and just giving them affirmation. We need to give them attention. I was reading and they, they said that kids, they, they were asking kids what one thing would they change about their parents. And it was just remarkable, the answers. But one was that they would spend some time with me, or they'd listen to me, give me some attention. One little boy said, I, I really wish I'd get real sick where they would pay some attention to me. We got to give attention. You got to turn off the game or whatever and give your kids attention. We got to discipline our children. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. You know, discipline is a sign of love. And if you don't discipline, you don't love. 
it's easier to think, well, I don't want to go through what I have to go through. Go through it. It's worth it. Discipline your kids. You're the one that's correcting them and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's your responsibility before God. I want to close with this quickly. And uh, I thought this was really, really interesting, the influence of one person. It's, it's David. And I mean, no, David wasn't the greatest parent. But his connection with God, I want you to see the influence. In 1 Kings 11, 11 through 12, this is 53 years after the death of David. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, because you've done this, have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. In 1 Kings 15, verse 1, eight, this is 86 years after David's death. And I'm just going to skip down. You can hear what's going on. Um, the king's done uh, evil. Verse 4, Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and establishing uh, Jerusalem. This is after the son had sinned in walking and in living in the sins. Second uh, Kings 8, verse 16 through 19. 156 years after David's death. Verse 19, yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of his servant David, as he promised to give him a lamp to him and his sons forever. Then 2 Kings 19, 34, 313 years after David had died, I will defend this city to save his son at Jerusalem for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. You have great impact on the generations. Your walk with God, your surrender to God, your obedience to God affects the generations. And we have to rise up and do what God's calling us to do. You see some questions there at the end. The greatest investment you will ever make is in people. Starting in your own house. God's heart is that we would see our lives generationally. Short-sightedness produces foolish behavior today. Our life will impact five generations beyond us. And you can have more. Right living and good decisions pay rich dividends in our life and for generations to come. God is a God of generations. Let's bow our heads. You know, many of us think in order to change the world, we have to be famous or celebrated, have to be an author or some famous athlete, that we have to do something that gets our names uh, in, in lights, but that's not the case. What if God has called you to change your family's legacy? What if you're doing a, a makeover, you're starting a good legacy for your family? What if God's plan for you is simply to be the best husband, the best wife that you could be? 
to raise up godly offspring? What if he wants you to be the one who volunteers? Maybe the one who tutors after school. Maybe the one who calls us the friends of your children to know about Jesus. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to do in the world's eyes great things. Maybe God's plan is for you to break a cycle of abuse or addiction in your family and set that new course for future generations. Maybe he's called you to be hope to the hopeless. Love someone who the world considers unlovable. I don't think that's too bad of a legacy. It's walking in the ways of God, the truth of God. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision for Christ. It takes surrender. To be a good parent, it takes surrendering to God. To be a good husband, to be a good wife, it's a surrender of your whole heart to Him. It's following after Him, obeying Him. But you can come just as you are and receive life eternal, making Him your Lord and Savior. If today you've never called upon the Lord, but you know today God's touched your heart and you know God's speaking to you, and you need to get right with God right now. You need to make a decision. I'm going to serve the Lord my God. That I believe that Jesus Christ went to a cross and died for me. He took my sin and my shame and my guilt. He took every place I missed it. Because he loves me. And I'm going to receive that gift. I'm going to receive Jesus today. And I know he was raised from the dead by Father God. And I know today I'm not perfect, but I still walk and serve the perfect one. And his blood cleanses me. And there's forgiveness and there's peace in walking with God. No one looking around at you today, I want you to lift your hand. Maybe you prayed this before, but today you know you haven't been living for him. And you want to get it right. You want to live for him, for everything within you that you would lift your hand no one looking around and we're going to pray together so see see the hand who else say yes to Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus hallelujah let's pray together church let's, let's thank God for what he's done this morning because he's expanded his family let's pray together say dear God I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died for me. He took my sins. I ask Jesus to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life. I'll follow you, Lord. I'll let your word be final authority in my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Let's give God thanks.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.